Well, hello, everyone. Today is Thursday, January 21st, 2021. This is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast, and thank you for tuning in. As you probably know, yesterday we had the inauguration for Joe Biden to become the next president of the United States of America. And obviously that's a major event. It's a major event for a lot of reasons. But but really, you know, I want to point out that there's just so much division in the Christian world about politics right now between, you know, Democrat Christians and Republican Christians. And, and I've really seen a, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, you know, really kind of down in the dumps about this. And, um, and anyway, really, I want to, I want to kind of talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about the election. I want to talk about, you know, kind of an appropriate Christian, uh, response. I want to look at sort of where we are as Christians today, you know, whether you're happy or sad about the outcome of the election. You know, I think, uh, I'm, I'm talking to both of you. I'm talking to both sides. And I think, you know, we really need to just focus on where we are in this period of time right now because it's fascinating and i'm not talking about you know sort of big picture end times all of that i mean yeah a lot of people are into that stuff it can be very interesting i agree but i want to just take a moment and and speak to all of us all christians whether you're a democrat or whether you're a republican i want to acknowledge this moment in time and i also want to encourage us really to have a, a fresh look at at who we are in christ where we're going and and how we should kind of live regardless of of how we feel about the election and i and i think this will bless you you know in in 2020 let's just say this you know i really feel today even though so many christians are are upset about the inauguration and all of that a lot of lot of christians and republicans thought i don't know different things were going to happen whatever doesn't matter they didn't and joe biden's the president now but but my point is you know we can really take a deep breath and just and almost relax for a minute, just a big sigh, really. Maybe not so much a sigh of relief. Maybe you're still very concerned about the future and the country. And, you know, in some ways I understand that. But, you know, 2020 was an extremely difficult year. We had all sorts of terrible things happen in 2020. By now, you know, probably we all know many people that that got COVID-19. We probably all know people that have suffered financially because of COVID-19 and the shutdowns. We also had all the social unrest. And then we had, you know, I would say political division, certainly like we've never seen before. Definitely, definitely not in my lifetime. And, you know, the, the presidential election, you know, if COVID wasn't bad enough, if the unrest wasn't bad enough, if the shutdowns and all of that, you know, we had basically a contested election all the way from election day up to yesterday, the inauguration, you know, with lots of, you know, Republican people still thinking that, you know, something crazy might happen at the end, but it didn't. And here we are. And, you know, I realize that, you know, we're not necessarily done with COVID-19 yet. You know, I'm, I'm glad that there's a vaccine out. Uh, obviously, you know, we believe in the healing power of God. We believe God can heal anything without, uh, without any kind of vaccine. But let's face it, a lot of the world doesn't operate that way. A lot of Christians don't operate that way. So we certainly pray that the virus or that the vaccine is, is a hundred percent effective and that it can get out to people very quickly and that can further you know kind of open the world back up we can start getting back to normal after this covid situation but you know we're in a new year now we do have a new president and and i really do believe we're going to see a lot of the craziness from 2020 start to unwind 
And you know, that's a good thing. And because I don't know about you, but, but you know, I, I'll admit a lot of the things that happened last year really, really did take my focus off of, of the kingdom of God. And I, I wanted to remain focused. I just didn't do a very good job. And, uh, a lot of these things, they just, they took my focus away. I would get stressed about political things or I would get upset about COVID. You know, I had my two kids. Obviously they, they had to be homeschooled. And then we had summer where, you know, it was really a very, very limited summer camp and things like that. I work from home. I've worked from home for basically 10 years. So that, that created a very difficult environment. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I know that's not unique to me. But we had a tough 2020, and I know at least for me, it took my focus off of the kingdom of God in many ways, and it definitely took my mind off of where it needed to be, uh, you know, in a, at a number of times in a number of ways. And so what I'm suggesting is, even if we're not necessarily happy about who the president happens to be today, not happy about how all of that went down, and even... Even if we're concerned about the future of the United States of America, I still think we can take this moment and take a deep breath, kind of assess where we are and say, all right, all right, God, where are we now? What do you have for me? And I think that, you know, the directions and promises of the Bible, they are not dependent on the governing system in our particular country of residence. In fact, the greatest commandments and truths of the Bible are totally independent from the worldly government where we live. You know, I, I take great comfort in that. That really helps me as a starting point. Remember, you know, I, I like to remember significant portions of the Bible were written by people while they were under very ungodly governments. You know, we think of, uh, you know, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel. Obviously, they were under you know, the, the rulership of Babylon and the Babylonian captivity. We can also think about, you know, much of the New Testament. I mean, in fact, all of it was, was written while Christians were under the Roman Empire. And, you know, that certainly was not favorable to Christianity, very pagan, very heathen, very anti-God, definitely wasn't favorable to Judaism, you know, not in any big way. And so, you know, the truth is much of the Bible was written by people who were living under governmental systems that were opposed to God. And I'm not here to say necessarily one way or another. I mean, obviously, we all have our beliefs about whether the current president, and the current administration, the Senate and the Congress and all that, whether we think they're aligned with the kingdom of God, whether we think they're aligned with biblical values. But I want to take a moment and say that. When we look at the heroes from the Bible, the vast majority of them were operating under governments that were anti-God and hostile to them, probably, uh, you know, much more so than this government today. If you happen to believe that the today's government is anti-Christianity, anti-God, things like that. And look, I don't want to beat around the bush. It, you know, even after the first hours, uh, President Biden has been in office it certainly does not look like he's going to be pursuing a pro-Christianity agenda. It does not look like he intends to govern with any kind of biblical worldview. But again, I'm not here necessarily to argue about that. And look, I get it. A lot of people, uh, a lot of Christians vote, vote Democratic. So let's not get into that right now. 
But what I'm saying is, whether you're for the Democratic Party or against it, let's focus on the Word of God, let's focus on the Bible, let's get rid of any potential excuse, and let's get our minds back towards the kingdom of God. Let's refocus on the kingdom of God. And this we can do no matter how we feel about the current political system, no matter how we feel about what's going on. And I want to remind us that of the situation of these people that wrote most of the Bible. And, you know, let's also, you know, let's just take a minute and let's look at some of the great directions from the Bible, the great commandments, the great promises, the great truths. And let's acknowledge that everything, you know, that none of the Bible is dependent on the governmental system or the political system where you live. And, and the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And that's true whether you live in China, whether you live in Cuba, whether you live in America, no matter where you live. You know, God wants to bless you. God wants to protect you. God wants you healed. God wants you to have a great family life. All of those things are true. And all of those things are possible no matter where you live. And let's just look at some of these amazing verses and amazing directions. Because just remembering that these points are still true, not only does it encourage me, but it helps me refocus and set set my vision for the 2021 that is ahead because I said as my in my last podcast 2021 is going to be my year. I mean, I've already started making changes in my work and changes in my life and changes in my diet and different things. I mean, I'm going to go after 2021 and and what's going to help me do this is remaining focused on the word of God. So let's just look at the very first words that God ever spoke about humans. This is fascinating. This is Genesis 1.26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You see, God created us humans to have dominion over the whole world. Now, now that's over the whole natural order of things. That's not saying that we're supposed to have dominion over each other. That's not what it's talking about. But that fundamentally, we were supposed to dominate the earth and the natural order in which we live. Now, most of us understand that when Adam fell to Satan, not only did Adam lose that authority over the natural realm, which as we can see very clearly, Adam was supposed to be, you know, the dominating force in the natural realm of the earth. Not only was that lost, but in fact, the true rulership over all humanity was transferred from uh, from Adam or from humanity to the devil. You actually see that uh, in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness when the devil takes Jesus up, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, says, look, this was given to me. I'll give it to you if you bow down. You can check this out for yourself. But the devil wasn't lying. That was a real temptation because Jesus knew that part of his job was to take men, to take humanity out from under the devil's authority. But Let's not go too deep in the weeds right this second. Let's just remember that initially God created humanity to have dominion over the earth. 
And and in fact, when Satan came in, that dominion was taken. When Adam fell to Satan, that dominion was taken. But Jesus got it all back for us. We don't need to worry about this anymore. And let's see Jesus' statements about this after the resurrection. So Jesus died. He was the sacrifice for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there are so many wonderful and fascinating statements in that short passage, but let's just focus on the first one. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You see, this is a bit complicated because as we continue in the New Testament, that's the first book of, of the New Testament. As we continue through, especially when you look at 1 Corinthians and you look at Colossians, the devil is still alive and well in the earth today. In fact, the devil is still the god of this age or this eon, this particular period of time. And the devil has a dominion of darkness. All of these things are alive and well today. Very tragic, very unfortunate, but reality. However, Jesus now took, when he went down to hell and defeated Satan, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, Jesus became the authority over him. So while the dominion of darkness still exists, Jesus and the kingdom of God have complete and total authority over the kingdom of darkness. Notice also that Jesus says he has now all authority over the earth as well. So the complete and total authority in, in, in every realm now rests with Jesus. And you see, here's the key. This authority now belongs to us as we are in Christ. Remember, there are so many statements we could look at, but when we become Christians, we get into the body of Christ. We become one with Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places. All of God's promises are immediately applicable to us. Every spiritual blessing is immediately applicable to us. Please read, you know, Ephesians 1, 2. All of these explain that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we come into him, become one with him, and now we are permitted to partake of this authority. So we were, mankind was created to have dominion and authority that was lost, but now Jesus has gotten it back for us. All right, and we're going we're gonna to keep looking at that, but this is an extremely important idea as we now look at where we are today and say, okay, this is where we are. What do I do now? Whether I'm for Biden or against him, whether I'm happy or sad, no matter who I am, if I'm a Christian, I say, okay, what do I do now? Because, hey, I'm glad if you're happy about the direction. Uh, excuse me, the election doesn't change the things that we're going to look at today and talk about today. It doesn't change that the kingdom of darkness is still alive and well in the earth. And we still have this mandate from Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all the commandments of Jesus. So let's look at the next thing. This is Matthew 6, 
chapter 31, verse 33. And we're going to put a lot of ideas together here today, but I really think this is going to bless you. I love it when I'm personally studying the Word or working on these notes and seeing these things fit together. And I think that you're going to appreciate this too. But so this is Matthew 6. Jesus says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So to look at it one way, and again, they were under Roman occupation, right? They were, they were under a very difficult, oppressive government. They, they had limited self-government. Um, you know, you could say a lot about that. We don't need to. But my point is, you know, here we are and we have two directions from Jesus that are completely independent of who, who rules the natural government where you live. And that's you are to make disciples and you are to seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. All right. It's really, we could say three directions. Seek the kingdom, make disciples and live righteously. These, these should be, you know, three of our primary focuses in our life. And, and, and even though we may see things in the world that we don't agree with, we may see things that we're not happy about, nothing changes those directions. And we now also must keep in mind that this authority, the true authority in the world, still remains with Jesus. Now, look, I do not believe that that every sim- single election is decided by God and God alone. That's re- specifically refuted in the Bible. There's a verse where, you know, he says, you have set up kings, but not by me. You know, that's crystal clear that, that not the outcome of every you know, government, not not the setup of every governing body is directly the Lord's will. But so but my point is the final authority rests with Jesus. But his authority is not automatic. He doesn't he's not the great puppet master. You know, I know people say God is in control and they think that God's simply in control of every single thing. And he does absolutely whatever he wants with every single aspect of our lives. That's just not true. I'm sorry. So. Let's look at this. Jesus understands that our minds will naturally focus on our daily lives. You know, he knows that, you know, the people that are without God, you know, they have to focus on what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What is your natural life? You know, your job, your family, your exercise routine, whatever it is, right? We all have things that, that want to vie for our attention. But what we must do and this was especially true in 2020, is we must force our minds to remain focused on the kingdom of God. And let's just talk briefly, very briefly. You know, let's be honest. Uh, When I get home a little later today, uh, I'm going to need to probably do some dishes. I'm going to need to help my kids uh, get a bath. I have two young girls. I am going to have to uh, probably read to them, right? All of these things. Yeah, it's, it can be very difficult to keep your, your mind on the kingdom of God at all times. And that's why it's so important to really build into your life uh, things like confession. 
uh, Bible reading routines, even, you know, worship routines or what shows, you know, typically at night when I go to sit down to watch TV, the first thing I'll do is pop on YouTube, watch some uh, Pastor Bill Winston, watch some Andrew Womack, you know, just just to put my mind back on the kingdom of God. And so you got to really get into habits because, yes, the world is going to vie for your attention in your life. But but as we seek the kingdom of God and live righteously in our daily lives, this is going to put us on track to pursue God's plan for our lives, regardless of who's in the government, regardless of what's going on in the world around you. And this is what we need to focus on, right? We the authority in heaven has now been given to Jesus. The the true authority in existence now rests with the kingdom of God. And we need, Jesus is inviting us in to this position, into this kingdom in him. And now we can begin living in line with that authority. So just to kind of recap slightly, the authority is with Jesus the authority is with the kingdom of God. We are now in the kingdom of God, and it's our job to seek the kingdom, seek righteous living. And so far, we've also seen that now we need to go out and make disciples. And all of these things are totally true, regardless of what's going on in the world around us. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So that just shows they didn't truly understand yet, you know, his role as the true Messiah of our spirits, right? They thought it was going to be like an earthly kingdom. So he said, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then we go on as you read the book of Acts. You'll see in Acts chapter 2, that's when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and really a supernatural empowerment from the Holy Spirit to be a witness and, you know, I was thinking about that concept a little bit about being a witness for Jesus. What does it mean to be a witness? And I was having this conversation with my eight-year-old daughter. And I don't mind, you know, when they when they question the Bible or when they say, you know, it's kind of hard to believe this or that or it sounds crazy. That's okay. I think we want to welcome our children's inquisitive minds and welcome their questions and show them, right? So, so obviously, I can give my daughter the basic answer on, well, you know, I know that Jesus is alive because uh, the Bible tells me so, right? And I can also say, I know that Jesus is alive because I know that he's alive in me. But, you know, what does that even mean, right? How can we be a witness for Jesus? And, and, you know, and I think there's different answers to that. But one of the ways that I really approached it with my daughter is begin to pointing out uh, to her times in our lives where, you know, God told mommy and daddy that it was time to uh, go to this particular church. God told dad that, you know, he needed to go and work for this particular business and look how well it worked out. Or God told dad this or God told dad that. In fact, you know, my my daughter's obsessed with our dog. We have a dachshund. And, you know, we had the pick of the litter uh, because they were my mother-in-law's dogs 
not to, you know, who cares, right? But bottom line, there were four dogs and we had to pick and one of them was black. Well, God spoke to me in a dream, you know, get the black one. The black one's the best one. Hey, you know, God loves me so much. He helped me pick my dog. Do the same for you. But, but, you know, that's 13 years ago. I love my dog. I mean, it's, it's really my dog. I do everything for it. But now my kids are obsessed with the dog. So I got to explain, you know, how do I know Jesus is alive? Well, you love Kiwi, don't you? You love the dog. Yeah, she's amazing. Well, God told me to pick Kiwi. God brought Kiwi into our lives. My relationship with Jesus allows me to hear directly from God on a regular basis. And this is how I know that Jesus is, in fact, alive on the throne today, because look at all these wonderful things he's done in our lives. But that's just another example of being a witness for Jesus. And so so Jesus tells us that we're supposed to have this empowerment to go to all the nations and be a witness that Jesus is still alive and on the throne today. Witness that, in fact, he while he did die, he rose again and he's still alive today. And out of that witness, now I can make disciples and teach them the commands of God, help them get baptized and teach them the commands, help them to be disciples so that they will go on and in turn make more disciples. And you see, that is one of the great ways that we seek the kingdom of God is by by seeking to expand the kingdom of God in people. You see, the kingdom of God, uh, you know, we could we could go all day talking about the kingdom of God. I, I've done other podcasts about that. But one of the the dominant features of the kingdom of God, you know, there are different ways we could seek the kingdom of God. But the, I think the greatest way is by expanding it in other people, by bringing other people into the kingdom. And I really believe that, you know, while there are many directions given to Christians in the New Testament, you know, the, the command to go out and be a witness to, for Jesus, the command to, to go out and make disciples. I, I mean, those are absolutely chief among them, right? Chief among the directions that were given. And I repent before God for not doing a better job, you know, in my own life as I go through my life being a witness for Jesus, you know, doing everything I can to make disciples. But, you know, I want us to remember that, that, you know, right now where there's so much division in our country, I mean, obviously there's racial division, there's political division, religious division. I mean, you name it, right? We've got, we've got it all. But, but fundamentally, you know, as much as you can't stand your cousin who, you know, who's a right winger or as much as you can't stand somebody who has different views from you, whatever it may be, that fundamentally there are two kinds of people in this world. It all boils down to this. There are people that are already members of the kingdom of God, already children of God and fully within God's kingdom. And the other group is people that God wants to be in the kingdom of God. You see, God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. As far as we are concerned, there is no one out there who's permanently lost. I know what the Bible says about, you know, some people blaspheme the Holy Ghost and all that. I have yet to run into somebody that I really believe is in that category, thank God. And so as far as I'm concerned, there's no one out there that God doesn't still want. There's no one out there that, that still doesn't have an open invitation to receive Jesus Christ and become a member of the God's kingdom. And there's nobody out there at least nobody I've ever come across that God doesn't want. You know, Jesus died for everybody. So even though there might be great division 
God still wants everybody. Everybody is still someone that needs to be witnessed to. I don't care how radical they are for the beliefs that are opposing yours. God still loves them. God still has a great plans for their life. Jesus still died for them. And you are to witness to those people. And God wants them to be his disciples. I mean, isn't it crazy, you know, when you think about, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of speaking, you know, I know a lot of people that that really, you know, kind of focused on some of the right wing and and how the Democratic Party's filled with a bunch of demons and all of that. I mean, look, you know, I'm, honestly, I have no idea. I'm not trying to get into that. But, but I'm just talking about the severe division and how a lot of Republicans really hate a lot of the Democrats. Well, let's be honest that, you know, evil as they might happen to be, you know, I sure don't know. But even if they are, God still loves them. Jesus still died for them. God still wants them to be a disciple. God still wants them to get born again. And so no matter how far out there you think someone may be, we still have an obligation and a duty to witness for Jesus. And, you know, a big part of that is is the love of God and showing people love, even people that differ from you in different ways. And so so we must remember that we are to witness, we are to make disciples, we are to seek the kingdom, and we are to live righteously. And those things are true no matter how much division is out there, no matter who's in the office. And, you know, and I don't mean to say this in the wrong attitude. I This comforts me. This comforts me. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I mean, if anybody see me on Facebook, I, I did vote for Trump. And, uh, and I think it would be wrong to be misleading or lie about that. You know, I actually put on... Uh, Facebook, why I vote the way that I vote, right? I believe that the the conservative values, at least socially, kind of align align more closely with biblical teachings, and that's why I vote the way that I do. And so, so you know, even though that may be true, and even though there now may be people in the government that certainly don't think the way I do about abortion or about you know some of the other issues that that we could go all day about, right? That doesn't change the fact that I still have these enduring obligations. And it also doesn't change the fact that, that Jesus is still on the throne, that I'm still a partaker with him of, of all the authority in the universe, and that I'm still empowered to be a witness for the kingdom of God. And, and you know, all of heaven's backing me up. All, all of the kingdom of God is backing us up. And so we need to be, you know, boldly, still pursuing the kingdom of God for our lives. Let me read you this. This is Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Excuse me one second. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he's talking about himself. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You see, I mean, another another just amazing passage, direct quote 
from Jesus there that we need to take heart in that is still 100% applicable. The truth of that uh, is as persistent today as it was yesterday, as it was the day before yesterday. And, and so we need to take heart. We need to focus on this. Let me just mention, uh, you probably know, but the word Peter, while it does mean rock, it's really referring to little rock. And when he says, on this rock, I will build my church, it's not the same word as Peter. It's talking about a massive rock. And what he's talking about is the rock of the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is the rock. That is the revelation that on on that is the church of Jesus Christ built. And also remember, the church, uh, the word church uh, as a building that whole concept doesn't even exist in the Bible. The word church has nothing to do with a building in the original Greek. But the church in the Greek is ecclesia. And the ecclesia was a group of people in a, in a Greek city-state that were called out to govern. So Jesus is saying, which honestly must have blown the minds of the disciples at that time. Jesus is saying that he is going to an establish an ecclesia, a group of people to rule. Now, 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 even as I'm saying that, you should be thinking, well, gosh, now it all kinds of makes sense. Because way back in Genesis chapter one, God said that we were made in the image of God and that we were supposed to have dominion. So Jesus says, I'm going to put together an ecclesia or a group of people to rule. The foundation of my ecclesia, the foundation of the people who will rule the world in my name, is the fact that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God. On that revelation, the people who have a revelation that know, that are born again, that have accepted me as the Lord and Savior, as the Messiah of the world, on this revelation, they are now going to rule the world in my name. Now, now look, I know that we are far from that. And even me saying those words probably sounds crazy, probably sounds insane. But, but look, we got to hug close to what Jesus actually said. All right. And I don't mean necessarily that that we're going to rule the world in the sense that, you know, we're going to be Christians should be the president of every single country or the king. I mean, they should. They should. Absolutely, they should. But, you know, we're a long way from that. So so don't focus on on natural and earthly things so much right now. Focus on spiritual reality and spiritual authority. So Jesus said on the revelation that I am the Messiah, I am going to gather together a group of people who will rule in my name. And listen to what he said. And that's the church. And if you are a Christian, you are in that ecclesia. But in the same way that, that some, you know, some governing officials don't do a whole lot. Some people don't do their job. Some people just sit around all day collect a paycheck. Well, the same's kind of true in the ecclesia of God, right? Some people just grab their heaven ticket and then they don't do anything. They just sit there. They don't they don't make disciples. They don't witness for Jesus. They don't expand the kingdom of God. Well, that's wrong. And but but don't don't hear me say that's wrong from the sense of judgment. Buddy, it's wrong. You're missing out. 
the great joy in life is is witnessing for Jesus to to pray the sinner's prayer with another human being and seeing them get born again. I don't think there's anything in existence that actually that rivals that. And it's it's very cool, you know, to lead a group of people in the sinner's prayer. But I remember I was in Haiti and I gave an altar call. And yeah, maybe maybe a bunch of people came. I mean, they did. But the first one that came was a young boy, probably about 12 years old, young Haitian boy came up, said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get saved right now. I guarantee that kid's saved right now, pursuing his relationship with God. It was it was obvious. And, and you know, that's one of the greatest moments I've ever experienced in my life. You see, expanding the kingdom of God is one of the great joys of life. And every single Christian, every single member of the ecclesia of God needs to take their place for the kingdom. Take their place seeking the kingdom of God. And just notice what he says here. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. What you forbid, uh, what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I mean, we are talking about true power true authority, true true dominion, but it's not natural the way we've been thinking about it. In the same way that the disciples expected Jesus to set up some earthly dominion, and they honestly, when he used the word ecclesia, that's probably th- what they initially thought, that, that he was going to become the ruler of Israel, and, and they were just going to model this Greek city-state form of government, which, uh, you know, don't need to get historical, but that that concept may not have astonished them. Uh, but but that they were going to be part of the ruling body over, you know, over Israel. And given some of the other things he said to them about how they were going to rule and things like that. You know, again, maybe this wasn't so shocking. But the fact is, is Jesus was truly setting up a spiritual kingdom and Jesus has all authority but but now we are brought into this authority. We are brought in and made a part of the kingdom. We are brought into the ecclesia. And now it's our job to go out and seek the kingdom and use the authority of God. Use the name of Jesus. Bind, bind what should not be permitted. Loose what should be permitted. And see the will of God manifest in the earth. You know, people that say that God just controls everything... Um, you know, look at just looking at that verse. G- Jesus said, "What you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. What you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven." You know, let's say <clears throat> no Christian, not one, ever actually took that verse to heart and began uh, forbidding things and permitting things. You know, the King James says, "Bind and loose." That's where we, you know, kind of get those concepts. You know, I bind you or I loose you, Satan. You know. Not that you lose Satan, but you bind Satan, you lose the power of God, things like that. You get the idea. But what if nobody ever actually paid any attention to this verse, right? I think that's it's pretty obvious that, that God's will would not be perfectly in existence if Jesus gave us, you know, allowed us to partake in his authority, but we never did anything about it. You see, and again, again... All of these things that we are discussing today are still true, regardless of who is working in the Oval Office, regardless of which uh, political party controls the House, controls the Senate, controls all of these things. You see, all of hell 
cannot conquer us as the body of Christ. I don't care how much evil is in the world. It can't conquer us. It can't conquer the church. And this is the way we need to begin thinking. This is the way we need to focus. That we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the ecclesia of Jesus Christ. On the foundation that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And understanding that now he has all authority in heaven and on earth. The gates of hell can't prevail against us. Look, if you're upset about the new administration in the Oval Office, then so be it. Seek the kingdom of God and fight against the devil's kingdom of darkness, wherever you think it may be. If you are thrilled, on the other hand, that Biden won, and you are happy to call him president, great. Now seek the kingdom of God and fight against the devil's kingdom of darkness, wherever you think it may be. You see, these directions are persistent, enduring, unchanged. God's plan for your life hasn't changed. All of your gifts and calling, they're all there. They're all unchanged. The mandate to make disciples uh, and to, to witness, none of that has changed. Listen to this, Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. You know, that's a wonderful verse, but we need to understand it. People use the phrase, arise and shine, arise and shine, lots these days. But but it's a biblical concept, and what is it talking about? In in short, the prophet Isaiah, who, who prophesied so much about the Messiah and salvation and what was to come, he's looking ahead to our salvation in Christ. Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible tells us very clearly, is the light of the world. And when we accept him, the very light of God... Jesus Christ, that light shines on us. And now, you know, not only is it shining within us, right, to, to illuminate us, to bring power, to bring revelation, to bring wisdom, but it's also shining on us. And, you know, in the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun, we are to go and we are to reflect the light of God that's shining on us to the world. As we make disciples, as we witness for Jesus, we're supposed to go out and shine. And, you know, what about the glory? It said, you know, he's, he says, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Look at what Jesus says in John 17, 22. This is toward the end of Jesus's life on earth. And he's praying. He says to God, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. I mean, that's an amazing statement. But right out of the mouth of Jesus, he knew, I have given them the glory you gave me. God gave Jesus glory and Jesus has now extended that glory to us. I mean, to be honest, I know that, that my mind doesn't even really have a, have a good conception of what that even means, right? That, that truly I am 
a, a recipient of the very glory of God, that the light of God and the glory of God have somehow been bestowed upon me. How is that even possible? But you know what? That's exactly what the Bible says. It is the truth. And it is a truth that I need to be focusing on. Whatever may be happening in the world, I need to be focused on the fact that the light and the glory of God are on me now. And and they are on you if you are a Christian. You see, it's time for us to rise and shine. Rise and shine with the glory of God, the light of the kingdom of God, witnessing for others, showing God, showing God's love to the world, showing his wisdom, showing his authority, not in, a, in any kind of adversarial type role, but, but really bringing the kingdom of God into manifestation in the earth in every possible way. But it's not automatic, you know, and the world is going to fight against us. That's, that's the reality, right? In the world, you will have trouble, but, but I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. You know, all of the world's going to fight against you truly pursuing the calling of God on your life, truly rising and shining. And that's why you have to make a decision every day that, that I'm going to get up and I'm going to rise and shine today. I'm going to do my part to seek the kingdom of God and live righteously today. I'm going to look for someone. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make a disciple today. I'm going to try to witness for Jesus today. We have to do this even when it's hard, even when we think the world around us wants to, wants to crush us. But you see, the light shines the brightest in a dark place. Now, I appreciate that some of us may disagree on on what constitutes a dark place or where are the dark places, but wherever you think you see darkness, wherever and let just let's just refer to darkness as as a place where there's an absence of Christianity, a place where there's an absence of the light of God, of the light of the Messiah Jesus Christ. Wherever you see that absence, that's a dark place. Go there and shine, right? Let's face it, some of you are in tough situations. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your home. You know, some of us have difficult difficult home lives. I'm not saying I do, praise God, but you know, some people do. Where do you see the darkness shine? Rise up each day knowing that the power of God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you to empower you to shine to empower you to be a witness of the life and the love of God in this world, no matter what's going on around you. We must dedicate ourselves to the kingdom of God. I know that many of us, you know, we've prayed prayers of dedication, dedication, prayers of consecration, but I'm saying in thought, word, and deed, we need to be dedicated. We need to be focused. If you are, you know, concerned about the future of the world, then look, all the more reason to truly dedicate yourself to the things of God so that you can seek the kingdom, so that you can fight against the dominion of darkness and fight for the kingdom of God like never before. You are empowered by God and all the kingdom of God stands with you to do this. I know many people are concerned right now, but, but nothing that's happened over 2020, 
nothing that's happened over the past few days, nothing that's happened politically, nothing that's happened economically, nothing changes these specific directions from Jesus, these verbatim quotes from Jesus that should guide our lives, these commandments, these directions. You, you, my brother and sister, you specifically were created to have dominion over the earth. And now Jesus has taken this authority, has taken this dominion over the earth and over all the kingdom of darkness and invited us into it, literally given us the keys of the kingdom. It's our job now to begin binding and loosing, to forbid and permit in the name of Jesus that which we need to to permit or loose, that which lines up with the word of God, and we need to be binding and forbidding the kingdom of darkness and the devil and the unclean spirits and all of those things that go against, you know, the love of God for people. And, you know, if you listen to my podcast, we've talked, we've talked about that already, fighting for the kingdom of God. And, and, you know, we're going to continue talking about how do we do this, but it's time. It's time that we rise up and shine. It is time that we make disciples It is time that we witness for Jesus, that literally we be all we can be. And this is true no matter how you feel about the election. Let's focus in on these timeless commandments from Jesus Christ and let's seek the kingdom of God. He will take care of us and it will will be the way that we expand God's influence in the earth that we expand godly leadership in the earth, which is something we absolutely all should want, and and we can expand God's love into a lost and a dying world. Guys, God bless you. Always happy to pray with you, to talk with you. Feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you, and just have a good one. Talk soon.